I've been up here a couple times but haven't introduced myself today yet. So my name is Liz Vandivort and I'm the associate pastor here at Crossroads. If we haven't personally met, I would love to talk to you after the service as well. Uh, we are in a series in the Psalms <clears throat> and this week we're going to do things a little differently. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so instead of studying one psalm this week and then another psalm next week while I'm up here with you, um, we're actually going to study a, a collection of psalms together. So we won't go through all of them, but I'll point out some highlights. Um, but what I do have for a challenge for you today um, is on your seats uh, with those offering envelopes are these little bookmarks. And since I'm going to be here for two weeks, we have just enough days to get through this set of psalms if you read one psalm a day. So that's my challenge for you today. Take this home And read one psalm a day for the next two weeks, and I promise you will be blessed. Each of the psalms that are on this card, it's 120 through 134, they're short. Like, this is a super, um, super easy way to get back into Scripture if you haven't been there in a while. Um, They're concise, they're um, impactful, um, but the longest one is only 18 verses. So it should take you less than five minutes to read the longest one, and most of them are much shorter than that. So would invite you to participate in that. And then as we go through the Psalms these two weeks, we're going to talk about some themes um, that we see in there. So as you read, um, be looking for those that we talk about today and next week, and you will see how God shows up in that set of Psalms. So um, this set of Psalms, each one of them, if you look in your Bible, has a heading that says Song of Ascent. We're looking at Psalms 120 through 134. And there are 15 of them. Um, and most scholars believe that the term Song of Ascent means pilgrimage. And um, we know that people pilgrimage to Jerusalem, right? So there's Israel, it's an entire nation, entire country. Um, and the temple was located in Jerusalem. So in Deuteronomy 16.16, 16, the Lord instructs the men of Israel to travel up to the temple, which didn't exist at the time, but was going to exist in Jerusalem. They did this three times a year. They did it for Passover, for the Feast of the Harvest, and for the Feast of Tabernacles. So three times a year, uh, ladies and children were left at home, and the men went up to the temple in Jerusalem to worship and offer their sacrifices. Now, what's interesting about the scripture and this particular set of psalms, they weren't written together. They were written at different times, but they were later then compiled. And the structure of them actually kind of indicates that this is a very likely meaning, that if these are pilgrimages to Jerusalem. And what you see on the screen here is the first seven set of psalms and the last seven set of psalms each have two psalms that are written by David and five that are anonymous. But then in the middle is this one psalm that is different, and it is written by Solomon. And Solomon was the king who built Jerusalem's temple. So the structure of the books, or the structure of the Psalms together, seems to indicate a hill, seems to point to the temple, seems to support this theory that this collection of Psalms, the Psalms of Ascent, 120 through 134, are sung on the way to worship at the temple. So, just so you know, there are other interpretations and theories, but the Lord really laid this on my heart as important today, and also it's the most popular one. So this is what we're going to go with for today. Um, But just in case you feel like doing internet research to prove me wrong, I can tell you in advance you will be able to do that. (laughs) 
So all throughout this week, I was meditating on these psalms, and I thought about it in terms of our current day, House of the Lord. We no longer have a temple. We're no longer called to pilgrimage to Jerusalem to worship. And we don't travel three times a year, but we come here every week to sing praise, to offer ourselves, and to meditate on God's word. So think of these psalms of ascent and ascending up to the temple. Think of it like we're ascending into our church building here. We're gathering as a church community. It's really quite an amazing thing if you think about it. Having so many people who agree together to do the same activity every Sunday at 9.30 and worship the Lord together. It's really cool. So don't, don't forget that. It's a grace and a blessing to be in this place together. So let's go on to Psalm 122, verses 1. I rejoiced with the Lord who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And Psalm 134, verse 1. Praise the Lord, all you servants of the Lord who minister by night in the house of the Lord. So think of that in view of this community as we gather today. I am certainly rejoicing when people tell me, see you at church on Sunday. I look forward to coming here and to interacting with you. And praise the Lord, everyone who's here, who ministers in this place. We are all a priesthood of believers. We all minister to one another. And this, the second verse, the 134.1, makes a reference to night, where believers in the temple, they would have been filling the oil lamps, maybe praying after hours, acknowledging that service to the Lord has no end time. It occurs at all hours of the day. And that happens here too. I know you have community together. You're talking on the phone all times of day. You're serving each other's needs after hours. You're ready to minister wherever the time calls for it. Because it's not just when we're in this building that we're ministering to each other. We're ministering to each other throughout the week, in the evenings, in the mornings, throughout the day. And praise the Lord indeed for that. So as we walk through some key messages and verses in these 15 Psalms, I bring to you that challenge of reading through the scriptures together. And I'm going to highlight four different um, themes that we see throughout these songs of ascent. So think about those themes as you read. And today we're going to get into the theme of blessing. Now, although many connections have been made between uh, other parts of the Bible and the songs of ascent, um, one scholar that I read this week really made an impact on me. He had a compelling uh, case for the direct relationship between the priestly blessing in number six and all of these songs of ascents. And in that Numbers passage, Moses is giving Aaron instructions from the Lord for the priests of Israel. This is where God says that you're going to take a Nazarite vow. You can't cut your hair, you don't shave your beard, um, you can't drink wine, um, and the priests couldn't be in the presence of dead bodies or death in general. Because they've made that vow of separation. They need to stay clean, to enter into the temple, into the Lord's presence, and to offer sacrifices on behalf of the people. So that's the context of the Numbers 6 chapter. But in verse 24 through 27 is the priestly blessing, which I think you will recognize. Sometimes we talk about it here in church or have it at the end of our service. And um, it goes like this. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Sound familiar? Now what struck me here is that it was the Lord who told Moses, Moses told Aaron, Aaron told the priests to give this blessing to the community. And so it's really the Lord's message. And the Lord says, I will bless you, I will keep you, 
I will be gracious to you, and I will give you peace. And it wasn't until I sat down and and really started to study this a little more that this light bulb came off in my head here of this is coming straight from God. This isn't just some liturgy that that someone prayed and came up with on their own. This is all the way back from the beginning. The Lord said to Moses, give this blessing to the people. So when you hear this blessing going forward, remember that it is God's words for you being spoken through his servants. It's weighty stuff. It's wonderful. So for today, let's hone in on that blessing theme. There were four underlined in that verse, but let's focus in on blessing for today. And we're going to do that by starting with Psalm 126. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. The psalmist refers to Zion quite a bit in the Songs of Ascent. So just as a reminder, um, Zion is the original name of the fortress that David conquered. It was a Jebusite fortress. He did that in 2 Samuel. And that is where then the temple was was built. But over time, like, it didn't actually just mean the fortress. The temple um, became Zion. Then all of Jerusalem became Zion. Then the kingdom of Judah, the southern part of Israel, became Zion. And then the entire land of Israel became Zion. So the the term Zion has kind of morphed and included more over time to mean more places, as well as it's become a term for God's people and God's heavenly kingdom as well. And we'll see this in a few other scriptures in a moment, but I wanted to make sure to talk about Zion so we didn't forget what that means. So... Back to the psalm, the psalm was written, 126 was written after the southern kingdom of Judah was exiled to Babylon. Babylon was then conquered by Persians, and um, during that rule, God did this really cool thing. So he made um, the Persians favorable to the Jews, and through King Cyrus and King Darius, they were granted um, abilities to do things. They really kind of weren't so much in captivity anymore. In fact, Cyrus said, okay, Jews, you can return to Jerusalem. What a joy to be free and to go home. So here they had been a conquered nation, hauled out of Jerusalem into another country, and then that country eventually says, you can go home now. But it was 70 years later. We'll see what happened with that. The back half of Psalm 126 continues with a petition for further blessing, as if not everything had happened yet. It says, restore our fortunes, Lord, like the streams in the Negev. The Negev is a desert. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out with weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. Last week, um, I wasn't able to join you here. I was in Otley, preaching on the book of Esther. And so super interesting for me to run across Psalm 126, where God is kind of weaving this path of message, because this was written at the same time. Esther was also written during the time of uh, Persian exile. And we know from the book of Esther and other historical documents from around that time that um, there were some people who chose to stay. So Cyrus says, you can go home, go on back to Judah. And some of them chose not to. Some of them chose to stay in Persia, because remember, this was 70 years later. Only the oldest people would have had the experience firsthand of the the majesty, the splendor, the profitability, um, the blessing of Jerusalem. And everyone knew that the city had been destroyed 
and that there would be a massive rebuilding effort, that it would be needed to rebuild walls and fortresses and things just to be safe from invaders. It was a daunting task. It wasn't like just go home to your house that you left for the weekend. There was going to be a lot of work, and you had to make a journey to get back there as well. So it's possible here in Psalm 26 that the psalmist is saying, Lord, return the Jews. Return them to your city. Let us all be together again. Or perhaps he's praying for prosperity and peace to return to Jerusalem. So that first half of Psalm 26 says, hey, God has blessed us. We're overjoyed. We're overwhelmed. And then the second half of Psalm 126 says, Lord, please bless us. And I thought, oh, that's a little bit of a a divide there. But then I thought, what's it like to be blessed and yet have so far to go? Maybe some of you have experienced something like that in your life. What came to my mind is people who I've seen um, experience a a tragic accident or experience an illness and um, narrowly escape death by God's grace and yet have a long road of recovery ahead. I have been blessed, and there is so much more to go. Um, Or perhaps more, more... paramount to that is where we we sit and we think on how God has saved us from our sins. How God has come to earth and paid through the blood on the cross for our sins. And we are overjoyed and overwhelmed. There is a path to right relationship through Jesus Christ. We are reconciled. And yet, we can look around and we can see those around us, family, friends, um, acquaintances, neighbors, and see a life of abundance, a life of freedom awaiting for them if they will only open their eyes toward this salvation. We labor and we pray and we wait and we hope for the salvation of others. We ask, Lord, bless these people who do not yet know you or do not walk with you. We say, how long, Lord, until your kingdom of believers is complete? Yes, we are overwhelmed in blessing. And yes, we are waiting for more blessing. Now, as believers, we are a part of God's history of salvation here. The kingdom of God has expanded beyond the Jews. Praise the Lord to us Gentiles here in the room. We are now a part of God's chosen people. We are grafted into that bigger kingdom of Zion. So as you're reading these these psalms this week, Zion includes you. You are a part of God's family. So continuing on in Psalm 128.5, May the Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. Psalm 133.3, it is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. So think of this. This is a statement. The Lord is on his throne, in his kingdom, reigning and ruling and pouring out blessing and prosperity on Zion. And we are are part of Zion. Imagine the Lord on the throne pouring out blessing to you all the days of your life until you are rejoined with him in the kingdom of heaven. And when I say prosperity, I don't mean money necessarily. It could be money. But prosperity comes through so many other things. And we need to uh, remember to look for the ways that God is blessing us. So we're going to come back to this thought in a moment, um, how God would prosper and bless people. But 
right now I want to take a little moment and go back to that Mount Hermon um, quote. So it is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. You might know something about that if you lived in that time and you lived in that place, but we have to dig in a little bit um, more here. Mount Hermon is known for receiving prolific amounts of dew. Keep in mind this is like an arid climate, right? And Mount Zion, um, on the opposite end, is known to be very dry. So the author is saying the blessings of the Lord on Zion, the people of Zion, is like Mount Hermon giving its dew, its prolific dew and moisture to the dry Mount Zion. Even to the extent that the Lord gives eternal life to his followers. It's awesome. So now considering that we are part of this figurative Zion altogether, what kinds of blessings should we be looking for in our lives? Psalm 132, 15 says, I will bless her with abundant provisions. Her poor I will satisfy with food. I don't think anyone in our midst could deny the blessings of food availability to our nation or to especially our community and our state. We live in the breadbasket of the United States. Um, I was the number one producer of corn, pork, and eggs. I eat all of those things. I love them all. Praise the Lord for that bounty of food. And I can get an orange from Florida, and I can get a pineapple from Hawaii whenever I want. What a blessing. A hundred years ago, you didn't have this ability to drive five minutes away and get this fun food from other parts of the country and even other parts of the world. What a blessing that God blesses us through food. Psalm 128.2, you will eat the fruit of your labor, blessings and prosperity will be yours. Now on the surface, this seems to also be about food, but this is actually about work. And work is a good thing. God's going to bless us through our work. It's designed from the Garden of Eden to return us blessing and prosperity. Now whether that's literally the food that we collect from gardening, or uh, whether it's the pay we collect from our jobs, or the satisfaction and the well-being of Uh, having a role and having work because God's designed that fulfillment for us. Work is certainly a blessing. And I might take that one step further and say, notice who you are blessed with in your work. What friendships and what joy have you experienced by working alongside other bearers of God's image? How many hours have you enjoyed learning about people, laughing with them, accomplishing goals together? I have never cherished my working relationships more than leaving most of them last year. It really gave me such an opportunity to reflect on the blessing of the people around me. And so what I ask for you, without having to leave all of your work people, whether that's work work or whether that's volunteer work or whatever the case may be, is to just notice. Just notice when you are at work, when you are doing good things with other people. Notice the people around you and how God is blessing you by tucking in relationships in the design of work. Moving on to family as a blessing. Psalm 128, 3 through 4. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Yes, this will be the blessing for the man who fears the Lord. I'm waiting for the day my husband comes home and describes me as a fruitful vine. (laughs) Oh, wait, he's not here today. Somebody make sure to tell him later. I'm looking for that compliment. But take a step back and think about your family. Is it perfect? Mine's not. Um, But I can look around my dinner table when we eat dinner together, and I can see the blessing that comes from being a family that follows the Lord. 
My daughter randomly asked my son the other day, Evan, do you love Jesus? And not to be one to let a joke pass him by, he says, oh, yes, I do, but I love my cat almost as much. But seriously, what a blessing it is to have children who are openly willing to talk about Jesus with one another, with their friends, even with their teachers at school. Autumn has this tendency to bust out in song, being surrounded by Christian music most of her life, whether it's in the car or she sleeps with it at night, or of course she hears it here. Just to hear her sing praises to Jesus is what a blessing is that. These children, they're like olive shoots. They're new growing parts of a fruitful tree. And I can see that in our families here as well. I've got a husband who's talking about church at work um, in a truck shop. If you could imagine the fruitful harvest there is waiting there among that group of people. And there's fellow believers there for him too to challenge his theology, to make him ask good questions. What a blessing that he's willing to go out of the house and talk about Jesus and talk about our faith. I think about my family every day and how it is a blessing that together we follow Jesus. And I see you doing the same. What blessings are in your marriage, in your children, in your grandchildren? Think about how they are a living blessing given by God. Let's move to Psalm 127. It has the inverse approach to proving a point. Do you know how sometimes you have to um, see what something is by seeing what it is not? That's kind of what Psalm 127 is going to do here. So let's get started in there. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise up early and stay late, toiling for food to eat. For he grants sleep to those he loves. So instead of saying how the follower of the Lord is blessed, there's this, this opposite comparison that helps us to see, hey, when you are not a follower of the Lord, this is what you're missing out on. The psalm calls these things out as a wasted effort. It's vain for those who don't follow the Lord. They're going to struggle. They're going to toil. But I couldn't help notice that this is the Solomon psalm. And not only does it parallel the individual household, like the man toils for food, we can think about that in terms of the greater community, the greater church house as well. So it says, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord builds the temple, the builders labor in vain. What temple has endured throughout all of history? Only the temple of the one true God, Yahweh. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells within your midst? We are a people of living temples. We carry the spirit inside of us as believers, and the Lord's temple has survived the test of time. It survived well beyond any temples of any lesser gods or false gods. And it's even survived the temple of Jerusalem. It says, this scripture says, unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards watch in vain. Now, what cities or empires have stood the test of time? The Persians, the Mongolians, the Romans, Ottomans, none of them. None of them have withstood the test of time. And not even Jerusalem avoided its fall. 
when their disobedience led the Lord's spirit to depart the temple, and then the Lord no longer dwelt in the land. And in this last contrasting example, the psalmist says that people work hard for their food and they have little rest, while the Lord's people are granted sleep. So all these people are over here working real hard, and us followers of Christ are over here napping nicely in our beds, because the Lord has blessed us. He has blessed our work. He has blessed our homes. He has blessed our families. So finally, let's finish up with the last half of Psalm 127. Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. At first glance, and I will admit I'm guilty of this, I've just read this and been like, yeah, 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 children are a blessing. But when we read it a little more intently, we can see some more meaning here. Um, It says that children are a heritage. Children bring that next generation of faith forward. They bring it beyond their parents' generation. God bestows generational blessings upon those who follow and keep his commands. You raise your family in the Lord, that family continues in future generations. Now, I'm not saying this to... um, to hurt anyone who may have children who have walked away from the Lord. I know that that's a real possibility. But speaking on a large scale, God blesses families. God blesses children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren when they are raised in following of the Lord. And that torch is handed over, that torch is responsible for that next generation to carry. And when they do, we see profound blessing in God's community. The passage says that many children are a blessing, and they bestow, um, they will not be defeated when facing their enemies. The they in this uh, scripture, because we're talking about a man who's blessed with many children, the they is the children. The children have each other. The children will face their enemies together in the future as part of this generational blessing. And now that I am maybe kind of old, I feel like I can attest to this. I feel like I've seen this happen in godly families where children are raised in the faith and that they birth children who are raised in the faith and I have seen families blessed and blessed and blessed. And I see it here too in our families. Generational blessing, passing. Let's not forget to be thankful for the way that God works through the generations, through our children when we raise him in faith in the Lord. So, Over and over again, these songs of ascent affirm God's blessing for those who follow him. That blessing continues on through generations who successfully bring up their children to know the Lord and advance and expand the kingdom of God. May our church be known as a church that raises these generations together and creates that legacy for the next centuries Let's not forget the prosperity that we find in our nation, in our abundant food, and in our fulfillment of work. Let's be overjoyed and overwhelmed for all the blessings we sit in today. And of greatest importance, the blessing of salvation by the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. And let's also press forward with grateful and passionate hearts toward the blessings that God has yet to give. It is good to be a family of faith. And the Lord promises to bless us. So let us receive it and let us continue to ask for more. Please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for your word. 
We give you thanks for your promises that you do not fail. That although when we fall short, when we miss the mark, that you are there carrying us forward. And you promise that if we give what we can in our fallen state, in earnest effort to follow you, to raise our children into you, and to work in the church with a heart for you, you promise to bless it, Lord. So we give you thanks for these psalms and the rest of your book. May it be a nourishment to our hearts, a balm for our weary souls. In Jesus' name, amen.